I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is it, guys. Uh, we're sitting down with Jody Carrington. Yeah, you uh, are. Our, lucky yeah. son of a bitches. For our second, our second time, I believe. Third. This is the se- third time on the show. Whoa! Whoa. Right, Whoa. You didn't remember the first two times. <laughs> Look, I got brain fog. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a diagnosed side effect of his uh, miracle drug that he's on. He's got brain. They fog. Ha- actually, they have said that. Someone did say that that the brain fog is like a tricapta thing. And, I mean, he uh, milks it. Uh, yeah, sure. I, like, I mean, whatever other side effect, we're gonna come up yeah. with something else right away. Yeah, this, sure. But this is the thing where, like, somebody said that to you, Jer, and then now it's like registering for you. It, yeah. Like, do you feel like it that amplified it when you when you started to realize that? That was a potential it, side amp- effect. It amplified how many times he plays the card. No, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't say it amplified. I wouldn't say it amplified it. And I actually wouldn't even say that. I I feel that that actually is a, a symptom, but um. It's saving his ass in this moment. That's so right. He's gonna yeah, use right. it like I, it's his job. I pull it out when I need it. Yeah, and, like, and I, I need like it that. right now, and okay. it's working. I just want to let you know that I see you, <laughs> and you. so you nice should buddy. be feeling seen. Hey, oh, I do feel. No, seen. No, you can't just tell somebody. Okay, <laughs> so this is not how it works. Oh, I see go. you, so you should feel seen. No, holy fuck, do we got some work to do here, boys? All right, <laughs> let's let you know what. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. Yeah, uh, do people it. who don't know, Jody Carrington is a psychologist, an author, a speaker. Uh, we're here in our studio in Halifax yes. live with you. So amazing, you guys. This and place is phenomenal. The reason we're here is because uh, you're on a little book tour. A big book tour. I like to call it big. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> yes, we are. This is our second stop in Halifax tonight. We did our first stop in Toronto, which I, can I just tell you, you guys are on the stage all the time and you know, you have, there's such a difference for me when people, <laughs> when people want to be there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that energy. You know, so many times I speak to groups and, you know, I'm, I'm there to sort of convince them about right. burnout or trauma or, you know, whatever. And I'm just want to assist their organization in some way. And this like people wanted to be there. And so like when I came out, I was like, whoa, whoa, yeah. have, you, have you all been drinking? Like, I don't understand why you're so excited, but yeah. I'm here for it. Like the difference between the difference between like speaking at a conference that has maybe like a, a whole kind of agenda of things going on versus totally. versus like you know when we go into a live show yes and it's like people bought tickets to be there they, they they're showing up for they you they're like they're yes. pre-bought in yeah. yes yeah, i yeah. know so it's a whole different world for me and um we had lots of conversations about whether you know we should a psychologist should do a book tour what does that mean what is how do we sort of step up the lines of professionalism and i think it mm. is sort of my first I don't know. I feel so like a little bit like a badass in this way because I really want to push the limits of our expectations around mental health because I think we're we're playing by a set of rules that were established for a world that no longer exists. Mm, right. And so I think that we really quickly in two generations still want to go back to what we know. And in the sort of midst of a mental health crisis, we're like, ah. Okay, so let's go back to everybody. We need to ask everybody how they're doing. Like, let's start looking at the behavior. How do we start doing the strategies? And I'm like, fuck it. If you don't meet people where they're at, mm. which generally speaking, we're exhausted. We're overwhelmed, uh, particularly in our healthcare. Any any human services profession oh my God, yeah. is barely hanging on right yeah. now. And I like I, I keep that in context. We're in Canada. I got it. We're, we're a very privileged, generally speaking, mm. uh, group of people. But I just watched the level of burnout and exhaustion in really good people. I was just saying to you, Jer, before we started, um, my mother-in-law, we just lost her to to cancer um, really quickly. And so we spent her three sons and uh, one of whom is my husband. uh, We spent a lot of time in the hospital every day, every night, you know, with her. And these group of people, like I was so desperate for them to love us. 
because I wanted her to be okay. I wanted them to love her and, you know, every, and they were just done in so many nights, so many of the days. And I was like, no, don't be, we need you right now, you know? Mm. And I just, it just was remarkable to me Mm -hmm. how ridiculous we really, like as, as we look to everybody else to fill us up. And everybody seems to be empty, right? Yeah. Is there is yeah. there a t- like place in time that you can pinpoint where you're like, this is where this started happening, or has this been something that's been happening forever? So it, this was expedited by the pandy, no doubt, mm. because listen, we're neurobiologically wired for connection. We will never automate relationship. Okay, so the fact that we can do this in person changes our neurochemistry remarkably. Whether than you know, we would have just been successful in doing this online the other day. Okay, so our conversation will be richer because of the fact that we're in the same room. Period, and we've never had this much proximity between us before. Mm-hmm. So if I think about like the demise is really when we sort of think even one generation. I mean, the last time I was here, we talked a little bit about think about the square footage of the house that your grandfather was raised in. And the square footage of the house in which we raise our babies, right? Or the schoolhouses or the hospital settings. We had retrospective data would suggest that our great grandparents looked at their children 72% more of the time than we look at our babies. Wow. Nice some? 72%. Because if you think about at the end of the day, I mean, my grandparents would play three games of crib together every night. Mm. Huh? You know? Mm. What happens when you play cards with somebody you love? You get in fights. Yes, yeah. they're yeah. fucking cheaters. You gotta watch them. Huh? Watch. Yeah, yeah. So now, because we're so overwhelmed and inundated by data all day long, right? The snap face and the what are these guys doing on Twitter and social yeah. and da, da 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 that we feel justified at the end of the day to seek into our respective Netflix series, our respective work, whatever that is. And the last thing we want to do is look at the people we love, because ironically, despite the fact that we're wired for a connection, the hardest thing we will do is look into the eyes of the people we love. Mm-hmm. And it was so much easier three, two generations ago because you didn't have much else to do. Now, the exit ramps are massive. Mm. The you know, opportunities to not do it. This is, a, this is sli- not, not, it's slightly off topic, but something that um, Kyla mentioned to me a couple of days ago, which I, a term that I had heard for the first time was, um, was uh, touched. What was it? Touched, touched by an angel? <laughs> Touched out the, the the term touched out oh, when um when a, when uh when you know a new mother has had to hold their uh baby all day because there's it's so right. dema- it's so demanding yeah and then at the end of the day once the baby's asleep the relationship that they're in they're like they're they're touched out they don't want they that it's t- it's tough to connect with their partner mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. at the end of having so much physical interaction with the baby all day it's like there's no more space for, mm-hmm. um, for connection with the partner. And mm-hmm. then the, that creates like sexual rifts and like, yeah. and a whole bunch of, and I was like, holy shit, I've never, I never heard of that before. And it just kind of, um, yeah, that just kind of struck me. But another thing that you said about square footage, I, I've, you've kind of just laid on me a, um, a, an appreciation for the small space that I live in. I, I I live in a, a a relatively small condo. It's seven hundred square feet. We have a baby. We it, our baby's room is in a den with like not a. It's not necessarily a. It's not necessarily it's a bedroom. And and as soon as we knew that we were having a baby, it was like, oh, we need to get a bigger place. Like we need to think about more space. Mm-hmm. And then that seemed like it was going to be too much of a headache, so we didn't. And now, and now I look at that and go, oh wow, that's it's actually really great. We're in this like. We're just in this kind of box. It's just it's the three of us, and we we're 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 inseparable from each other, and mm. and that's really great. Do you, do you know what I think is sometimes interesting is some of the best conversations you will ever have with a kid is in a car, because it's the socially acceptable you know proximity that still is afforded. People who go camping, yeah, right when you have to slam your family. My, my kids' favorite holidays is when we go stay in a hotel room together. Yeah. They right. love it's the it. Best. The hotels well, are the we best. all get to sp- yeah. sleep in the same bed and we're like, yeah, yeah let's get it, you know, like an yeah. air, like for fuck's sake. But I, <laughs> those are the best memories I have with my kids. Yeah. So you think about, but, but there's also to Kyla's point, there's also a neurophysiology that some of us can handle and some of us can't. Right. Mm. And you just know this in very, various relationships you had. Some people really love always to be connected in touch and, mm. you know, to do those things. And other people just are like, mm. mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a neurosensitivity that happens. Like there's a history, the trauma history, whatever the deal is. Huh? And oftentimes you think about this, particularly for new moms, is that you are physically required to be 
the feed bags, you're physically required to be the soother, you're doing all of those kind of things. And so that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And also historically, we we think about sort of what happens to women's bodies in that experience of having a child and how nothing, I mean, I remember looking at my husband, he was in the same fucking jeans he wore in like 1993. And I'm like in a muumuu <laughs> after we like landed the twins. And he's like, you're so beautiful. And I was like, fuck you. Okay? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You I, fucking liar. I, you know? I, I, but, so I think there's that part too yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. like, plays into the data and I think it's just interesting right about like there's a lot of expectation about what happens in our connection to each other but the less prox the more proximity we have to each other we're going to get out of practice Mm -hmm. because you you think about just like walking into an elevator with somebody how often you guys are probably the exception to the rule but how often do you just sort of engage in conversation right how often do you look into the eyes of the people that you sort of you know are on the subway with yeah I like to walk into the elevator and walk up to the wall, like like um, opposite of the door, and just stare at the wall with my nose to it. (laughs) (laughs) And that always gets conversation going in the elevator. Conversations often often like. About you, what not are you with doing? you. What, are, what, are you what is what is this man doing? <laughs> is he okay? They're making eye contact. Like somebody fucking help him. It's interesting talking about the the proximity though too, and 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 the the pandemic because you know a lot of companies moved to working from home, and at the start of the pandemic when I started working from home, I loved it. Like I thought it was the greatest yes. thing in the world, and. I also like I, I'm I'm hesitant to even say this because I don't want to like put the idea out there that people should be working in the office because I like working from home so much. Mm-mm. But the thing that I've been noticing is one, there's a bunch of different factors that that affect this, but two of the biggest ones is the first one, which is I can't shut off at the end of the day. Mm. Um, especially like my living situation similar to Taylor's, where I live in a small apartment and my office is basically right next to my living room. And I can see my computer at all hours of the day. And so I felt like, hey, this is really great for my employer because I'm so much more productive. Like there's less interruptions. I'm doing more work. Um, how great is this? And then I also realized at the same time, like I'm burning out at an incredibly fast rate and I don't know how to turn off. Like I don't know what the solution <laughs> is to that. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Brian, the, the, the thing is faster than ever, organizations that are going to get it quick will get their employees back to work faster. Mm. And I say this all the time in organizations, like the quicker you can get your people back to the office, the better your productivity, the creativity, the innovation is mm. going to be simply because of the social connections that happen. So if you are going back to a very toxic workplace, no, 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 stay out. Yeah. Right. So it's so much about environment. But if I can create a culture where that actually there is a place where you can go and be to feel seen and creative and connected and you can have some joy and then you can sort of be filled up and go home and do the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're so much healthier as human beings. How how do we how do we mitigate? I agree because I agree with you on the on the office front and the and the uh, the social connection and the creativity that comes from being in front of somebody and being able to you know, spontaneously raise an idea and think about something and, um, and, and, and not, not to mention just, I think work aside, this, just the, the social sort of, uh, benefit that we get from being able to do that, but kind of like mitigating. I also understand the draw that people have, um, the sort of, um, the, the, the allure, the reclusive allure to go, to be at home. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, when you I don't, feel that. you know, when you don't, you know, you don't feel like going, you don't feel like going out or you don't feel like going to the office. But then when you do, you actually like going to the, like going to the gym and doing a workout that you, that you thought you didn't want to do. And then once you do it, you're like, oh, that was really great. Yeah. I mean, like, how, how do we, how do we address, how do we like kind of like address that feeling that we get to, to not participate and to not interact it's kind of like this false it's it's like a skill tay like if if you think about like the more times we do this now we all have a a certain desire some of us are more social than others some of us you know don't like the work that we do some of us like there there's so many sort of i think factors that play into it but if i think if we were just going to take a level playing field we all need we're wired for the connection part mm-hmm. of it, yeah. right? You won't ever automate relationship. So some of the un- most unhealthiest professions are the ones where it, there requires no teamwork, no human interaction, no ability to sort of like facilitate something that gets different parts of your brain active. And so I think that that's the really critical piece is that like, yes, there was like at the beginning of the pandemic, this idea of like, yes, 
Let's slow it down. Let's stop. Let's stay in our places and look at our families and do all of those things. And now uh, there is a connection to the fact that we've never seen domestic violence this high. Mm -hmm. We've never seen child maltreatment this high. Right. And for the first time in history, emotional illness is killing us at faster rates than physical illness. So something is happening. So what's the difference between... Is that a, hold um, on, is that a stat? Yeah. Emotional illness killing us more than physical physical illness? Yeah. Wow. But but so like to, to your point earlier about, um, you know, the square footage of a, an average home and where our like grandparents would have grown up and our parents would have been brought up. Um, and then looking at the stat that you just mentioned about the pandemic forcing people back into their homes and they're spending time with their loved ones. What's the difference between the environment that we're in now in these close quarters compared to what would have been like 60 or 70 years ago? And, and is, is that also like, did we also see domestic violence at rates like that back in the day too? So let's, so to your first question, so think about what is different, right? Like in our grandparents' kitchens, versus if we were slammed back into our kitchen, okay? So we have spent our entire lives being completely independent, okay? Really promoting that in terms of my role, your role. And all of a sudden, we're back in the same kitchen for, and we're trying to work on top of each other. And you get, get there was no dance that we had established, right? It was forced into this part, which is very different than two right. generations ago, Right. It, it, we we didn't have technology. We had each other. We had to go. You had a specific role. I had a specific role. And we did this very differently. We lived in the small space. Now we're so used to this, having all of this expansive place. And for the physical safety of our communities, people said, ah, stay home. So we're in this heightened state of awareness that like, are you sick? Am I sick? Are we going to get anybody we love Ooh. sick? And we have to do this and the kids can't go back to school. Like, fuck, I don't understand how to do new math. Do you shut up? Why is <laughs> and then we're watching all of these other families on social media fucking frolicking and drinking Ooh. collagen, right. and <laughs> then everything is like, what are we doing wrong? Ooh. Okay, so there's so many layers that our grandparents, the simplicity of not being inundated by Ooh. what everybody else was doing. You also didn't have exit ramps, right? So you you had to figure out. I mean, we did, I think, play more board games with our kids during the pandemic. Uh, we, you know, tried to get more creative about what are we going to do in this space as a family of five. But I think there was such, we've lost that skill and mm -hmm. we really don't have the dance because so many things that are so critical, things like empathy and kindness, you somebody has to give them to you in order for you to give them away. Mm. And the less we look at each other, the less we do for each other, the more divisive we become in that way, right? So I think the sudden slamming back into that place, despite like proximity is one factor. It's what you do with it within that proximity that matters. Mm, yeah. And if you're a dick and we end up <laughs> together in the same house all the time, it's not just going to suddenly get better because yeah, yeah. we slammed you back into yeah, it's, proximity. It's funny because I, when the pandemic started, I went to um, just outside of Ottawa to uh, my girlfriend's parents place. And I thought I was going there for like two weeks. Like everybody thought the world's going to shut down for two weeks. I ended up living with her parents for six months okay. and it was actually amazing. Um, I had my, my van there and I worked from my van outside of the house. Um, which is funny. I had like a hundred foot ethernet cable running to it and, oh God, and it was I like going that. to my office. It was, yeah, it, right. was, it was honestly a really great time though. You know, in hindsight, I also see the moments where we were put into these like weird places of confrontation yeah. where we didn't know how to to yeah. really deal with it with each other. And in one example is I was uh, recording a podcast at the kitchen table one afternoon and Maddie's dad came home from work early <laughs> I and this. I was in the middle of recording and I was like, 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 <laughs> like putting my finger up to my mouth, like, yeah, yeah. Can, you, can you be quiet when he was coming in? And he, and he just stormed out and was fucking pissed. And I was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. So I'm like totally distracted from the podcast conversation. And when he came back in, he's like, you're in my house sitting at my fucking living room table yeah. telling me to shut that up? I need to be quiet when I'm coming home from work. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, bro. He's an amazing dude. I love him. I'd really <laughs> love to just take a moment to kind of like touch on the book for a second. Um, because I feel like, I mean, everything we're talking about right now seems to be coming from what is within this book. Like this idea of, of uh, reconnecting um, in a, in a disconnected world. I believe the, title of the book is feeling seen reconnecting in a disconnected world um nailed it but what i'm i'm curious to know like what was the what in terms of writing putting this book together 
what was your roadmap? Like what, how, what, where did the contents of this book come from? Um, I because question. I feel like there's so, there's so much here and there's so much to like, there's so much to this conversation. I'm just kind of curious, like, did you draw from conversations with clients? Uh, did you draw from just your own observations of what like we've been going through post pandemic or like, where did the, where did the impetus for this book come from? Oh my gosh. I love your questions all the time. It, what I think is so interesting to me about this is that it, it was being a psychologist is such a, such a privilege Yeah. Um, because people give me a lot of their stories. I, I often talk about this. I started on third base. I I'm, I'm a very privileged human being and I have had lots of wonderful things in my life. So there's not a massive trauma history that I bring to the table. And I think it's interesting. I, I, you would have loved this creative process of the book because the, I write best when I'm by myself hmm. in a hotel room, generally at the Fairmont. And um, <laughs> when- how often are you by yourself? <laughs> how often are you by yourself? Because every time we see you, you are rolling with the biggest crew. You, I, well, like, the, I don't you, know you, half you these fuckers. I was just in the parking lot and they're like, oh my God, are you going into the Stick Boy studio? Can we come with you? Um, but no, I, I really love that. And I usually take big white, you know, those like, um, full, no, what, what do you say? Like flip chart papers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And then I put them all around a hotel room and just sort of like, okay, what, what would make the most sense to talk about why we got where we're at? And it's interesting. The roadmap of the book ends up in three parts, right? How we got so lost, how we get back to each other, the roadmap home and what happens when we get lost again, mm. because, and, and the first part of the book takes up almost half of it, all the fucking reasons why we're disconnected, right? That, because here's what we don't do typically. We want to Mary Poppins, the ever-loving Jesus at everything. We want to go, we're good, it's good, it's good. Okay, here's the three strategies that I think you should do to sort of get through this relationship problem. Here's the four things I want you to try. Here's that, you know, we want, we don't like to be in this state of emotional dysregulation. We don't like it when anybody's hurting yeah. or anybody's sad. We want to mm. be like, calm down, you're fine, look at me, you know? Um, and so I really wanted to make sure we dug into all the reasons I think. Um, things like emotional dysregulation. We're losing the ability to stay calm in times of distress because of our lack of capacity to stay in close physical proximity to each other. A lack of an emotional language. You have to be able to name it to tame it. Yeah. And men in particular mm. have um, far less of an emotional language than women. Okay, And we are still very much ran by penises in this world. Third, uh, the workplace, I, I call it about like the burnout factor is massive. We spend way more of our waking hours at work and most of us fucking hate our jobs. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's a problem. We need to talk about that trauma. And then at the end of it, um, I, I saved the, I wanted to tuck this chapter in there cause it was the one I felt the most incompetent to write, um, around, um, marginalization and racism and colonization and you know how colonization, it was the dawn of disconnect yeah. when we started to decide that certain people with heartbeats were better than others. And that was the absolute first understanding of not feeling seen. We can make a decision based on the color of your skin or how you identify that you're less than. And so I, I sort of took the, the ones that I think were most easily digestible and then went to the, like the fucking gut punch, yeah. the one that I felt the least competent to write. And I wrote that chapter, um, with the educator in residence of the Canadian human rights commission or the oh, Canadian wow. human rights museum, Sarah Adam Out and of, uh, Winnipeg, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she, we sort of wrote that, um, with all of her insight and, you know, I talk a lot about the residential school system, the, the genocide of, uh, indigenous peoples in this country and just really sort of like sucker punched it in the middle <laughs> because mm -hmm. people are like, I thought I was going to fucking feel better at the end of this book. <laughs> and then, and then the second part is like, what do we do about it? Yeah. And it all comes back to one word and it's acknowledgement. Because when you're acknowledged, you rise, Ooh. right? One of my favorite hockey coaches said this, you should see how fast I can get a kid to skate when I know the name of his dog. Right, yeah. <laughs> Taylor, yeah. do you yeah. love that? I do, I do, okay. I do, lo I do love that. I, I, something that you said earlier that in, 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 in terms of, oh, hello, little darling. Little darling, Zaya. Um, something that you said earlier about, like, about, being involved with our screens and we're scrolling Instagram and there's, you know, there's the highlight reel of people's lives and feeling disconnected and not feeling seen. How, what kind of role does comparison play and, and maybe, and maybe some, if you have any thoughts around how a person can, can try to 
uh, improve or or decrease the rate at which they compare mm. themselves to others in an unhealthy manner. Because I, <laughs> uh, this conversation that Kyle and I have a lot is is mm. is how much comparison there is out there and how destructive of a force it is to kind of see people, even people that are that you should be able to connect, you should be able to connect fully with, but seeing them almost in a sense of like a rivalry, mm-hmm. at least in some capacity, because you see the, the job that they have, the family that they have, the or, or that you perceive them to have really. Truly. As a as as better the than the body what they you've have, got. the partner yeah. they have, all those things. So comparison is the thief of all joy. Period. Okay. And I think what we try to do so much is chase this elusive nature of happiness. Uh, nobody's fucking happy. Do you know anybody in your life right now that is blissfully happy with every aspect of their life? Nobody wakes up and is like, I'm, fu- I'm so fucking happy with this body. Jesus, I'm so grateful that at 47, I have a fucking twin house and a set of G's on me that I wish somebody else would have looked after (laughs) two we don't roll over in the morning and be like oh my god i'm so fucking happy with you oh i had a lot of choices in 93 okay and i got this guy who blows his nose like that (laughs) (laughs) i had a lot of choices you know you know none of us look at our children relatively speaking go like you're so lucky i'm so happy with my parenting so there's a big difference i think we've really been led to believe that everybody else is happy that we are choosing to reach this whole sort of goal of happiness, which nobody ever gets to. Are there moments of happiness in your life? Oh my God. But I would much rather have conversations around the relentless pursuit of joy. The relentless pursuit of joy. Joy as an emotion is a sudden burst of a feeling that is so much more attainable than happiness. And joy is something that you have to seek even in the front row of a funeral. Mm-hmm. There's joy. Mm-hmm. Today, right? When we watch this baby girl sort of crawl to get, I know how long you waited for her. I know how much it means that she gets to be in the same room as Jer, right? Something that you didn't know was ever going to happen. I remember that was the end of our last podcast. How we get to talk about the fact that like, oh my God, you like they went and got us this coffee. This is me. Like I think about, I'm the funniest fucking person I know. And I think about how many times we create our own joy. Mm. And if we do that more often, it requires emotional regulation because joy is the most vulnerable emotion on the planet. Did you know that? No. Joy is the most vulnerable emotion on the planet. So when I say to people, you know, where do you feel you're most vulnerable? Oftentimes people say grief or anguish or even shame. I feel so vulnerable in that place. Mm. It's joy because anything can happen to you. The last time you, you know, belly laughed, the last time you danced in your kitchen, the last time we just didn't give a shit about what everybody else did or looked like or sounded like. And we were like, this is it. This is the three of us or the five of us or the two of us in our kitchen. Fuck it. We made it. This is it. And it's those moments of joy that I think are the goal of it all. Mm. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts it sounds um it's funny when you talk about like when you ask the question of like who who do you know who's blissfully happy donut and oh yeah dog is, that's <laughs> dogs are, no, but he was just barking 36 seconds ago <laughs> what, fuck you get out of my place what, i'm like, happy with you i think maybe um i i guess i'll speak for myself um i i have come to find that like my goal in life um of what i deem to be a successful life is to be is a happy life sure um and it's now making me sort of question that and wonder like (laughs) what is like so then what is what is the goal of life like happy wife 
Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm pretty sure that's, I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, well, like, here is we it, go. A, is it to experience those moments of joy yes, as often honey. as possible? Because I think we put such a, and I talk about this as the first thing, because we put such an emphasis on the good emotions. Mm-hmm. And we try desperately to avoid the bad emotions. But do you know that depth of experiencing sadness is so good for your soul? Yeah. Do you know that being disappointed or feeling humiliated is such a character builder? And we avoid that in our children. They get disappointed because they didn't win. And we're like, it's okay. We're going to get you a medal anyway. Fuck that. You suck. Okay. <laughs> you got to feel what it's like to not be successful, to, to, to be in that place. And it's okay to, to be sad. And I often talk about this thing about, you know, when we feel disappointed in our partners, when we feel disappointed in, you know, we're not where we wanted to be in any particular part in our life, you have to feel it. Mm. And we so want to avoid that piece. We so want to just hang on to this. And I think that is the impetus of depression Mm. is because we feel like we're not where we should be but what if we're exactly where we are and that's great do you know what i mean with those moments of of joy like are do you i guess my question is do you create your own moments of joy or do you observe moments of joy both Mm. how (laughs) so how do you create your own joy i I, I mean you're fucking brilliant at that (laughs) You you do this beautifully, honey. You that when I walked in here today, you are such a genuinely loving human that you embraced everybody in this room. You came over across the room to me, gave me a hug. Right there, that that's a that's a moment of joy that you just created. Versus so many people would stand back and be like, oh God, should. I don't know if we should hug, right? Right? That's it. You made that happen. But it makes me sad because like you are pointing that out for me. And like, I like, yes, like I felt that like when I came over and gave you a, a hug, I'm, I am so happy to see you, but I, I wonder like how we are more aware of those moments because I think like mm. in pointing that out, I'm like, fuck, of course, of course that's true. Yeah. But like, did I really appreciate that in the moment? Yeah. And I think it's a little bit about slowing it down just a bit because I think we spend our, t- our, our, penchant our, our where we land the most is to find all the things that can go wrong and we come from a generation of people who did that multiple generations of people who did that right mm-hmm. because you had to look for the disaster the tiger you had to be prepared for the things that you know think about our parents i mean if you've been raised by a east coaster or a farmer you never looked for anything that was positive you always had i mean i remember my grandfather right i'd be like oh things are going well he's like fucking wait for it yeah, <laughs> right. somebody's gonna die yeah. and so we've all been in this place of where like if you don't plan for all the bad stuff you won't be ready for it but the issue is if you've ever got that phone call in the middle of the night if you've ever got that diagnosis no matter how many times you've prepped for that moment you won't be ready for it yeah but when you're prepping for it what are you missing you're missing all the good stuff so joy is a Mm. choice and it and it is hard choice and many people will say this to me fuck you you know it's not it's not something i get yeah it's there's so much about this that is like can you just slow down long enough and look for it and because we're often worried about who we're not, what we're not, who we're not with, what we haven't done enough of, instead of, this is, I mean, what a fucking blessing this is. Yeah. You have a healthy baby crawling around. We have a group of healthy friends that are so excited about our success. The four of us together want to produce a podcast, make something fantastic where we can actually not only change lives, but save them. How, how did this happen? <laughs> you know? And it's so much about anyway. And, and Brian, I, 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 just, I think also something that could be useful in that. Um, and I'm not sure whether you're like, pro, you know, kind of probing Jody because you know that she's got great content to say on it. I want or, the answer for myself. Or, okay, so yeah, okay, so that's what I. That's the vibe that I got from your from your question there. I think also we we can we can start to rob ourselves from 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 those joyful moments. Rob ourselves of those joyful moments if we're too concerned with being with with a, with being present to notice them 100% of the time. If we can if we put a if we put the if we put yeah. the expectation on ourselves that like oh I, I need to be I need to be present all the time to to see to notice those moments of joy. If we're too hard on ourselves in that context, we can rob ourselves but of of just experiencing them. So I, good, good to yeah. notice them and to slow down and also sometimes to the pressure to try to experience that right, is also yeah. taking away from it. Right. I understand that um and when you put it that way, it makes a lot of sense. I also feel a bit at like, you know, part of my therapy journey right now is, is understanding how ADHD shows up in my life. Mm-hmm. And so like 
my brain goes at a million miles a minute. And so mm-hmm. it like feels like it's like uh it's been designed that way. And I now have to fight against the way that it's been designed to try to experience the thing, mm-hmm. like slow down and be present. And it feels challenging to like try to think about that. Can we rewrite that narrative a little bit? Yes. So absolutely. maybe, maybe because of the way your brain is designed, you've created this life that is so beautiful. You have I mean, when you sit with people, who you sit with really determines who you sort of what you see in this life. Look at this. Look at Maddie. Look at who you've attracted in your life, right? You, this brain created that because you're so great. You're so quick. Remember when we got off the phone the other day and I said to you, all of us said like, these two are great, but like Brian, holy God, (laughs) his brain is amazing. Could we spend more time with him? And I think you underestimate yourself so incredibly much. I mean, we don't know each other very well, right? But I think this would this would be true of all of us, is that if we knew just how much we were loved, if we knew just how much we were admired, it would blow us away. Mm. If we knew how much we mattered to so many people, you know? If you only knew, you know, even in the, the CBC days or the Yardzuka days, you know, how many sort of kids still remember those episodes. If I were to sat and say to you, like, do you know that you're like burned into the tapestries of people's lives. Mm -hmm. If I were to say to you, you know, every time you walk somebody through a yoga pose and they started to cry because they needed your voice to guide them home in that moment. Like if we just knew, I think we would just be so, we would get so much more out of this very short time. Mm. And it's often in death, you know, we were talking about this, that, you know, we've been faced in our family system recently by this, you know, just the fragility of it all. That I think we really just are then brought back to the fact that like, man, this moment is, is holy. It, it is a sacred place that we all got here safely, that we get this hour together, that we get to do these things, you know, that you get to go home to somebody you love, that, you know, we get to sort of have those places. And I think it's just about how do we just slow it down a bit? And there it is. Why do people reserve like your funeral for the times to say all the nice things about you. Right. (laughs) Right. Isn't that the, like, that is such the great question. And it's like, you know, I had this question, you know, we're talking about building our organizations. And one of the things that I ask my team a lot and is remarkable because they hate this question is why are we lucky to have you? And so if I were to ask you guys that question in terms of like the company that you built together, you know, and you had to say to these guys, why are they lucky to have you? What do you bring to the table, Jer? I mean, try to answer that question. What do you, what do you, if if they had to hire another guy in this group, you know, what, why are they have, like, what do you bring to the table? What do you bring to the, why are they lucky to have you? I'm the sick guy. (laughs) 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 No, but really, but give me something else. Give me, I I want a sentence from each of you. Why? I mean, I can, I can speak for, well, it's hard to, it is, it is definitely hard to speak for myself. Don't. Yes, I'm not going to allow you to do it. I can tell you exactly why Uh, I'm happy to have So try it for a second, okay? You tell me why they're lucky to have you. Me tell you why they're lucky to have me? Yes, sir. I can't, I I can't do it. Let's go. We got all day. (laughs) They're lucky to have me because I'm good with money. Okay. Okay. From a business perspective, but from yeah. a, but from, but from a higher, from a, from a higher level because of the way that, the way that my friendship interacts with the, with, mm. with the, with the trifecta <laughs> and I, and, and, and not to, not to, not to usurp your answers, but that is the foundation of, of what we all bring is the peace that creates the one relationship that is the three of us. Of course. And I just want to know what that is. So you say you're the stable force. You're the numbers guy. You keep this fucking ship upright. Yeah. I attempt Your to. wife is doing this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you bring? Ideas guy. Yeah. So you're the creative. And emotional vulnerability. And empathy. I was hoping you were going to say that as he's fucking bawling in the corner. <laughs> Brian brings lots of empathy and emotional vulnerability for sure. Right. Beautiful. How much you soften these two humans, huh? And you bring them back into a present moment. My gosh, you are their beacon. You're the light, okay? You're where they're headed. How powerful is that, right? You got the ship. It's going in the right direction. And you're like, Come on, boys! Like, let's go big, right? What do I want to. I want to add to my answer now that you've got the 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 the, the now, you've, <laughs> now you've got the wheels turning. <laughs> that underlies the money is 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 uh, logic and understanding. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, you're, you're the pragmatist. Yeah, that's right, right, right. And we need that. Yeah, I fucking hate you people, but it's really important. <laughs> yeah, got a spreadsheet for everything. <laughs> we need a budget. Fuck you. <laughs> We're not here long. Spend it. <laughs> I really don't know. Oh, stop. Yeah, I really don't. I mean, I like. I'm the. I'm the. I don't know. I'm the. I'm the. Um, I'm the. I'm the jester in the group, I guess. I'm the one that, uh, um, I, re- I really actually, you should think I, of, I, I feel like shit right exercise. now. I, I, I really feel like shit right now because this is, this is actually putting me in a place where I, um, I feel, uh, unable to recognize my value. Mm-hmm. I think that's, sure, there's like I 20 things that yeah. I could Zip say. Zip it, yeah. both of you. <laughs> I, I, oh, so I wish uh, I wish you could see this right now. So this remarkable human being who has a pedigree that would stop anybody in this industry, mostly in this city. I just know how many people love you is physically like you're picking up the dog toys. You're fidgeting. You just are like, let, can we move on? This is my show, bitches. I am not happy about this. Do you know how amazing you are? Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. So that's the piece I want you to tap yeah. into one bit. So what do you bring? I don't know. I bring, um, uh, I guess I'm the, um, uh, <laughs> It's it's crazy how how my mind is just being flooded with negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. So just give it a minute. It's okay. <clears throat> oh, it's so wild. Look at my eyes. Take that away. And what do you bring to these two men who you you adore? Um. A sense of play, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me um, more. One more thing. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I guess in reality too, I'm I'm a I'm out of the three of us. I'm kind of like uh, I I step into the role of like a technician. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Brian's like the ideas guy and I'm the, I'm the guy that, you know, uses my hands to help bring those ideas to, together. Um, <clears throat> but it feels, it feels so, if, if it, it sometimes feels uh, so much less important than, than the other pieces. Really? Because as you describe that to me, what I really get a sense of is you're the heartbeat. So you're the one that orchestrates all of it. This is the philosophical keeping it together guy. And this is the light. Okay, so bump, 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 mm-hmm. bump, bump. Yeah. And I've watched each of them talk about, you know, the potential imminency of your death, that you've all had conversations about it, what that looks like. And I think there's such a fear for other people because you are the heartbeat of so many people, right? You sort of keep this all together in some ways, right? I love how you describe that. And so how amazing is that when you bring this together? Like, I don't know if the three of you understand how remarkable you are as a unit. Like, this just doesn't happen by chance, right? Like, that's a pretty special piece. And I knew that, you know, when we first got to sit together, because it was like how much you love each other, how much vulnerability there is in a group of, you know, three young men who are just starting their lives and their families and their, you know, responsibilities and, you know, all these kind of things. And you have so much fucking fun. It appears as though on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. And then when we get to sit with each of you, you're all completely fucked. <laughs> I I just like I just like want to say I know that that was I know that that was really hard for you, Jared. I just want to you did so good. That that was, Give me your hand. That, that was challenging, job, and and that I, was about um two hundred twenty five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and I see that yeah. I I see that 
like I, I see that because it is, I feel that too, that, that, that wall that you come up against when somebody, like I can very easily look at, like I can look at you, Jer, and go, if you're, if you're not here, this show ends. Me too. And I can yeah. look at Brian and go, if Brian's not, if Brian leaves, the, I, the, I, the ideas, the, the <laughs> no. ideas, the idea, the ideas it won't be the same. stops. A- absolutely. Like, but and, here's the issue. If you were to ask me what I bring, I don't want to answer that question. Totally. Yeah. And, and what's really interesting is that the three of you, and I really want, I mean, anybody who's listening to this, I want you to think about this because I had to physically stop the two of you. And if we would have let Brian, you know, work much harder, you two would have taken over and protected him too. You would have been like, here's the things that you're great at. I, yeah. When you were letting Jared think of those things, I was just like, like holding myself back from jumping in and saying <laughs> the 20 things. I'm going to throw like, punch you. Jared, Absolutely. all these things, like Ooh. there's so many. Don't you know? How do you not know? How do you not know? You? Like, How what do you the fuck? not know? Right. <laughs> and I think there's. How some- do I not know? I mean, that's like, yeah. like, you know, like that's what, the, what, that's in the book. That's the book, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about this earlier. Like we were talking about, we were talking about the, 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 the desire, the need, sorry, not the desire, the need to, um, to sit with the discomfort feelings so that the, so that the positivity can like, so that we're not fucking dull and not numb to yeah. when things are good. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why sometimes it feels so fucking hard not to like get sucked in by the the negative thoughts and and be so like hyper focused on it that you 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 almost you almost find it impossible to like be present with the good feelings when they're there. Can I tell you something? What I what I found really interesting, and I talk about this in feeling scene too, is that like one of the most powerful moments in therapy that I would do with everybody in therapy is like let it come. Mm. If they're here, like, for example, what we could have done in that moment is I would have said to you, just give me, watch all those negative thoughts. Look at them coming. Yeah. Give them a color. Give them a shape. And I would just say to them, I'm so glad you're here. Come here. Come sit with us. In fact, can I bring up, let me, right here. Come on. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to just watch what happens to them. Right? Mm -hmm. If we invite them, we allow them. They're here. It's okay. They were there in the beginning to protect you for some reason. And now they're not serving you, but we really want to invite them here. Let's not stop pushing them away. Come on. Mm. What do you have to tell us? And then we ask them, we watch them, what happens to them? And you know what happens every time? They quiet. Mm-hmm. They shrink. Because when you're given a seat at the table, right, instead of like, oh, here they come. Oh, God, I just, I'm inundated by negative thoughts. I can't even get a positive one. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, God. Come here. Come on. Come on. You're here. What? You're just an emotion. Emotions will not kill you. Not talking about a mic, right? I, I don't want to. I don't want this to. If if you guys both have like something to add and continue on that, I don't want to. I don't want this to derail that because I think that this is like one of the greatest conversations we've ever had on the podcast right now, um, and beneficial for us and like everybody out there because I think everybody out there who's listening who heard that segment and 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 was thinking to themselves like, what is that? What am I like? And tried to do that for themselves, like use that as a practice. I want. I want, I want to continue on that if we, if we need to, but you said something earlier and I think this kind of plays into it. What you just said is the piece about kids and, and giving, giving, you know, participation medals and that sort of thing is like, if you don't allow somebody to struggle and sit with those negative emotions and feelings and thoughts, then we sort of rob ourselves from the ability to connect with them because we, we, we take away the opportunity to be supportive and to connect like if they if we don't allow ourselves to be in that shit place sometimes mm-hmm. we don't give our community and the, our loved ones the opportunity to love us and to connect with us mm-hmm. it's so true right and we just i mean it the intention's beautiful i don't want you to hurt i don't want him to have to sit and suffer i don't i you know we could physically watch you know, him sort of fight the demons in that moment, those, you know, whatever they are. And so we just, you love him. We love him. That's not what I wish for you, but it's not a bad thing because he could do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we sort of demonstrate that, that you can do that, we can do that together. It's going to be okay. Let's get your body back in that place and cross your arms, drop your shoulders. Okay. So you're safe in this moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you believe me? Yeah. Okay. So I think sometimes what happens is that this is so true in trauma work, the body keeps the score. Okay. So Besser van der Kolk wrote a book of the same title, most profound book on trauma on the planet is that oftentimes we get stuck in those moments in our life because we didn't 
sort of process it at the moment. So even in this conversation, maybe 20 years later, your body feels exactly the same way it did when you were in a state of trauma in some way. And so it takes us right back there, mm -hmm. right? So that's really what's happening is that that's the visceral response. And we just remind ourselves we're safe in this room. We're having a hard conversation about are we worthy? And our body takes over and goes all the reasons, all the times I wasn't. And those don't count anymore. But we have to give them enough room, a seat at the table, so that they now recognize it too. Oh, okay, cool. I don't, you, you're okay if I'm here? Yes, we could do hard things. Mm. You're, you're just not serving us anymore. That's not who I am. That's not how I treat people. That's not how I show up in this world. And so when you allow it some space, we often don't do it because we're scared it's going to swallow us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The depths of that uh, power of that emotion, we just feel like that's going to be it. So we just spend all the time trying to pump the brakes, <laughs> which is the antithesis of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and when you just, it's just an emotion. Mm. Guys, yeah. this is what therapy is all about. It's like <laughs> the amount of times that I fucking tell you how amazing therapy is. It's like, it feels like this. Like it feels like you're bawling, but you're like, you feel uncomfortable, but then you feel kind of good because then there's some light on it. But then you're like, I don't know. Like it's fucking. Sounds like a good best. time. It's Sounds like, like a good time like to therapy. me. <laughs> just FYI. Yeah. I, just, I, I just, I'm, I am astonished how we just kind of ran through that exercise and and even myself who 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 pegs i peg myself as like i'm logical and pragmatic and you know i can remove emotion if emotion might not serve me well in that but it is so hard it is so hard for the average person and the average person every person probably to recognize their own worth and value mm. even if you know it even if you know it abstractly to and, let it come out of your mouth and so many people think that you got it together mm -hmm. you know like that it astounds me that jair struggled that hard because if he could see what i see right it astounds me that you would for a second not think you're amazing it astounds me like if i asked your wife like does she fucking know how beautiful she is we all walked in the room and we're like oh my god i love her <laughs> right mm. but like no, we we don't know that about ourselves we spend most of mm. the time going like oh my god you know yeah. and so it's it's so much about that and, and we and here's the other trick i think to it is that we won't arrive you don't actually get there. Nobody has really got there, right? Like I feel like I am an imposter every 99.9% .9 of my life. Somebody's going to find out, right? I'm not this smart. I'm not this good. Fuck, I'm held together by eight sets of spanks right now. Like I really, that's just true, which is really, <laughs> right? Do you understand? Like, so I, I just think like there's nobody that's arrived the level of insecurity that I have walking into this space. What am I going to say? Am I going to be funny enough? Ooh. Do they think I'm a fucking idiot? Are they just doing this because I'm Jeff's fucking friend? You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's how we all operate in every yeah. second of every day. And it just fucking makes me so sad. Huh? Because if you only could see how other people see you or us or whatever that deal is, hey, wouldn't that be just nice? And so I, and so I feel like, I mean, I, I don't, I think we just kind of went through it and observed it and 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 maybe we maybe we talked and and maybe we did really touch on how to do that but just as like a as like a you know everybody likes the you know three ways to do the thing <laughs> when, what's the title of this podcast is taylor's like wondering like what what can we say three ways to do this three ways to thing, do the thing how <laughs> like how, how how does how do we synthesize the idea of of recognizing that in ourselves when we, if we think about that. I love the title of this to be the body keeps the score because when you are really in your own space, like I want you to just watch. So Jer, as he was um, processing what's happening on here, like arms are crossed. Then I'm back in the room. Arms are crossed. Then I'm back in the room. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so we do all of this stuff that the more we are really present in the moment and you know, this as a yogi, right? How hard that is to do. I fucking can't meditate to save my life. I got too much shit to do. My brain is too busy. What the fuck you want me to do? Just sit there and think about what, what nothing, 
fuck you. <laughs> I I am like, oh my god, this hurts. I don't like this. What it what? Oh wow. That you know, like I think it's ridiculous. So it is not easy, and I think that's the point: is that it's not supposed to be. You will never arrive at the steal twenty seconds in any moment and just really laugh at yourself really mm-hmm. think about what a gift you are that's all i want from you mm-hmm. is a little bit of that and we will be better for the people we love and we lead and we, because really what we want to do is be more present when we show up for other people and the more we know we matter fuck we're we're unstoppable really. like it's a little bit of what of what you what the conversation that we we're having earlier brian when we were talking about joy and recognizing that um and something that i read from our friend dave colligan who you just met the other yeah night, he's amazing um that he he wrote something that i saw which was like 30 lessons, 30, 30 lessons that he's learned in his 30, in his 30 years when he turned 30, that he shared something like that. And, and one of them was, one one of them was something that really resonated with me and that I, I think, I think is, is important and central to this conversation. And especially that, that segment that we did, which is we're not meant to always be happy. Like we are meant to go through the range of emotions. And if we are walking through life, expecting that, and, and and beating ourselves up because we're not joyful or we're not happy in this moment or on this day or in this week or whatever, that, you know, that is, that, that, that is going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like that is going to be a negative vicious cycle of. You're spending all your time wondering why you're not happy for fuck's yeah. sake. I just want to be happy. Fuck. Yeah. I, why, why am I not happy? Yeah. I, I don't know if this is a, a fair way to characterize this, but like one thing that I've found in going through therapy is, is, I've started to become more in tune with the why. So like if I'm feeling mm-hmm. something and it's confusing and uncomfortable, if I can start to connect it to a why, it makes it a little bit easier to digest and understand and sit in that feeling and go and like experience that, that, that the comment that you made about this isn't going to kill you. These emotions aren't going to kill you. Knowing that and knowing where that's coming from makes it a little bit less scary to sit in that space. And for anybody who's who's listening to this and wondering about what that like visceral feeling is in your body when you feel those emotions, it is so real and like it, it's funny because like every, I feel like my therapy sessions sort of generally follow the same framework where you know like um, inviting those negative emotions to the table and sitting with them and feeling them. And we do a lot of like EMDR yes, or, um, or other body work. And, and so I'm like sitting there and like my shoulders are cinched up and my arms are crossed. And I feel this like tightness in my body that I had no idea about before. Like I never would have been able to observe it before um, without this help. And in sitting with those emotions and working through them and not getting rid of them or not having them never show up in my life, it's been an incredibly like powerful experience to go through, which is why I talk about it so fucking much. And um, I can see therapy? that though. What? Yeah. And <laughs> but like the other thing is like the is like the the yawning. Like I yawn like fucking crazy in, when I'm going, in therapy. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's a changing it's of wild. state. It's a changing it's, of state, but you're also my very best compliment at the end of a therapy session is I just want to have a nap. Yeah. Because yeah. if you think about the emotional journey, right, that you go on to be able to navigate all those things, you, you, no doubt you're going to be exhausted after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I already feel it. Yeah, me too. Right, yeah. Which is great. Yeah. This, I mean, I, you're welcome. But I also, it's easier just to stay very superficial. Mm-hmm. It's easier just to be like, we're, and, and sometimes that's necessary, right? Sometimes that is necessary. You can't sort of be that vulnerable all the time and you can't give yourself away that much. But I think there's also that point of when you do, man, it's, it's pretty sacred space. Yeah. But you open, the do- you open the door for it as well. Like you give permission for it because my initial, when you asked that question, my initial response was like something very tactile, like money. But like yeah. what underlies the money? It's like, okay, these like, these more deeply held traits are what underlies that. Yeah. It's not, it's not yeah. money. It's, it's, it's something and, underneath. And that. I would even dig deeper for you, Taylor, I think in terms of like, you know, the purpose of creating the logical and the practical is really like the longevity, the, the joy that you bring to these two men, the, the depth of purpose that this gives you, right. You were so committed to not letting this fail that you will be very diligent about you know, what is spent, what the budget is. And it feels very 
controlling is a word that just scares the fuck out of me so many times because it has such a negative connotation, but it always comes from a place of, I really want this for us. Yeah. It's care. It's care. It's it, like, it, it is. It, I don't want the ship to sink. Yes. And you know, my <clears throat> husband is like the most practical spreadsheety guy on the planet. It drives me fucking nuts. But that is the only way. I mean, the, his only desire is to give us and his children, you know, that the best thing that he can ever give us, which is I'll take it from here. I got it. I got it. I got it. And when we start to understand the dance, sometimes I think that is because we can then really appreciate, you know, what he brings, what you bring. It's remarkably different to the two of you, remarkably different here. And so it's really hard to, to, to remain respectful of what you bring to the table when it's so unlike what I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is the key to success in relationship and marriage. It's not how much you fight or how much sex you have or how much, um, you know, you're alike. It's your capacity to repair. That is the single most important predictor of success in a relationship. You know, it's something that's interesting um, that I want to share with you guys is, is that when we started this podcast, I think we had more confrontations working together. Like it would oftentimes be like, uh, you know, these two people say this thing. So this one guy, we we made a rule early on where it was like, if two people agree on something and the third person doesn't, then it's majority rules. It's the okay. two people. Um, but I think the thing that I've certainly come to appreciate over the years of doing this with the two of you is like, I probably in the beginning thought my way was right. Like I was like sort of virtuous about like, oh, well, you know, like I think that approaching it from this perspective is the best way or the right way. And I think the thing that you guys have taught me is that there's not one right way. Mm. It's the right way is the way that we do it best together. And when we start to go down a track where it's like one person's idea rules, it's never the best way to approach things. So I think I've, I've through doing this, I've gained an appreciation for the way that different people work. I mean, particularly like the three of us together and how important that is to have that together rather than one person mm. doing that on their own. That makes and, any sense. And, and, and something that I'm really taking away is in that, in that, in doing that exercise <laughs> that we did, recognizing our value yeah. and our worth and what we bring to the table, you're going to go to wh- therapy, whether it's from a, I mean, I could, I could go to therapy, yeah. whether it's from a, whether it's from a, whether it's from a business, whether it's I like, could, but I won't, <laughs> whether, whether it's from like a business or, or an organizational standpoint or from a relationship, whether that's with a partner or a, a best friend or something like that is, and kind of going back to the comparison piece is not, is not going, cause there's many times where maybe you bring an idea or you can execute something and I go, Oh, I wish I could have had that idea or I wish I could have done the tactical like execution of that and and you you kind of you kind of wish that you could have done the the piece that they that they bring to the table mm-hmm. instead of going instead of recognizing what is my what is my expertise what is my what 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 is the balance that I bring to this and like how can I provide that and because that is necessary and yeah, that is 100%. useful and that is worthy yeah what are you taking away um, I'm just listening, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just actively listening and, uh, uh, I, I, I really do feel exhausted. I feel like, I feel like my mind, like when you said your, your brain was running like a million miles a second, that's how I, that's how I felt this entire conversation. Um, and, uh, but I mean, what I am taking from this is, uh, is just a feeling of, <clears throat> like a like a an, a genuine feeling of gratitude to know that uh even when my even when i feel like emotionally dysregulated i know that i'm like in a really safe space in a mm-hmm. in a safe place that i know that i'm loved and i know that i'm valued mm-hmm. uh regardless of what my mind might want to tell me in the moment <clears throat> and uh <clears throat> that that uh feels good it feels good to know that i can that 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 exists even when I don't, when I'm having a hard time seeing it. I love that. And I think it reminds me of this book, um, Schwartz, which I, I read when I was writing, um, feeling seen and it's titled no bad parts. 
And it really is the deconstruction of the internal systems that we're all made up of and that we're really judgmental of the way we come to the table, right? Mm. This is, this is the, the bad part of me. This is the, the whiny part. This is the, the fat girl part. This is the, you know, whatever that is, this is the life sucking, you know, inappropriate partner part. This is the whatever. And Schwarzer really just invites all of those parts to the table and just says, there's no bad parts. Mm. And I think that when we get really brave enough to be able to be like, there's no, there's no bad parts. We bring it all. And that's what, you know, I love that you say it's safe enough to bring. If if you can find relationships where it is most of the time safe enough to have all your parts, all the, the ones that you, particularly the ones you consider not particularly desirable. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a game changer. Jerry, Jerry you can you. show me your parts. Jerry. Any, anytime. Jerry, I show love me. Oh, I love to see all of your parts. I'm going to show me his parts on that one. Jerry, I am so... <laughs> I am so happy and grateful that you get to share this with, well, that we get to share this with all of our audience across the world, but that you get to bring this to Halifax tonight. Yeah, tonight. tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so like, so I mean, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like you're coming into this, you're kind of, you, it, abstractly, you're like, Jody's coming. Jody's awesome. This is going to be fun. And then you re and then we sit down and we talk with you and, and you re I really get centered in on like, wow, everybody tonight gets to yeah. get into this mm. mode. Hell yeah. Guys, mm. what a joyous moment. Ah, look at you. <laughs> wow, Woo! you're so dude, you're so present. <laughs> Feel your bum in the chair. You are so present. <laughs> That's amazing. So Jody, you're uh, you're on this book tour right now. Um, how many dates do you have after tonight in Halifax? <sighs> We have eight cities in total. Yeah. And um, so we have, uh, after this, we have, well, I can't do math, six left. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So it's good. It's great. It was a, na it became a national bestseller in the first day that it, that it came on. This is our first book with a national publisher. Harper Collins took this book on and um, we're just so grateful for that. Um, but yeah, there's so many things that, you know, in terms of mental health resources, this, this one book is one thing for me. There's courses and workshops. I really just want to make it much more accessible to have conversations mm. about this shit that, you know, we, we still keep <clears throat> trying to sort of fix for everybody instead of just really call them in and create a safe place regardless regardless of age, race, religion, socioeconomic status, gender identity, all of those things. Fucking let's go. The, uh, for folks who are, are listening right now, um, we are recording this on the 1st of February, but, uh, on the 20th, uh, you'll be in St. John's, uh, on the 14th, <laughs> 14th of March, you'll be in, uh, New York, May 15th in Winnipeg, May 24th in Calgary. Uh, go to drjodycarrington.com slash events for uh, tickets and to get to know more. Uh, Jody, we're so stoked that you've come to the studio to hang out with us today. We're so stoked for uh, the book. We're so stoked for the the event tonight. Um, how can people get their hands on the book? How can people stay up to date with the work that you're doing and, and all the fun stuff that you're up to? Everything on the website and you can get the book anywhere, any independent bookstore. And of course, all the big ones like Amazon and Indigo and all those things, they have it too. So I would love you to read it, to share it, to tell me what you think about it and um, to give it away. I just, I'm really proud of it. Okay. Again, folks, that's drjodycarrington.com. Uh, Jody, thanks a lot. This has been really fun. Mm, thanks for having me, boys. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.